We are uh, in a series of messages um, that continue the journey series. We started back in August, uh, September, and we've been at this for a while, and now we're dealing with the rules of the road. That's what we're calling the Ten Commandments. And uh, Pastor Scott has led us through the first three of those. And he said at the beginning of that series about the Ten Commandments that they're mostly negative. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. I'm thankful to him that he's given me the, the two positive ones, the one for the day and the one for next week. And the one for the day has to do with the Sabbath day. It's uh, referred to in two places, and I want to read from both of those places. Uh, one of those is Exodus 20, and Pastor Scott has been reading through that section of Exodus 20 as uh, he has led up to his, uh, the preaching of his messages. I'm just going to read the, the fourth commandment from Exodus 20, and then we'll go to another place where they're found. So this is Exodus 20, and we will read uh, beginning with verse 8 and go through verse 11. And this is, this is how that reads. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your manservant or maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And what I just want to note here is how it begins, remember, and then the reason for remembering. The Lord made the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he rested. The other place in which these Ten Commandments are found is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy is this book of the Bible that's essentially the farewell message of Moses. He was about to hand over the baton to Joshua who would actually lead God's people into the promised land. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is kind of rehearsing what God has told them, preparing them as they go into the land. And the Ten Commandments are found in Deuteronomy 5. For the most part, they sound a lot like the ones in Exodus 20, including this one with a couple of little differences that I just will note. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 12, it starts with, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. And then here's the other difference, the reason for doing it. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will just um, not only bless us as a congregation as we, as we uh, just express appreciation for answered prayers, and for the way that you're going to work, we thank you for the news about Diane Callahan. We thank you for the celebration that will take place in the wedding. 
of Michelle and DJ, and we're grateful, Lord, also for the, the promises that we can hear in terms of, of uh, Pam Knoll and uh, the anointing and the praying over her that we did. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for the ways in which you have worked among us this week, and I pray for your spirit to just be with us now as we think through what this commandment means and says to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Messy gift. This commandment is a gift, and we'll get into that more, but it's kind of a messy gift, especially when you just kind of read it at face value. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, and the seventh day you will rest and not do any work. And you kind of try to take that into our context, into our setting, and you think, hmm, what does this mean for us? Because that pattern doesn't hold as true for us. I talk to, uh, I catch Vern Spoolstra every now and then, early in the morning when we find each other at the Moore Middle School track. Vern Spoolstra is uh, Chips. He's a, a California Highway Patrolman. He tells me about his schedule. And it's a schedule that's much different from six days of work and one day of rest. I appreciate the fact that today there are people that are in place as nurses in our hospitals, that are in place as uh, policemen, that are in place as firefighters. Travis will tell you that when there are the big fires going, he's going to get the call out, and who knows when Melissa is going to see him again. The six-in-one pattern. Some of you are on vacation from school for several weeks and months. Some of you are retired. How does this work for you? A lot of the work weeks these days are five days and then the two-day weekend, and we revel in the three-day weekends that we get now and then. Some of you don't have jobs. How does this play into our lives? What does this say to us? It's kind of a messy gift from that point of view. So let's just kind of follow the journey that this uh, commandment leads us on. First of all, let me just say, it's a journey toward a stop day. That's what Sabbath means. Sabbath means stop. It says stop ahead there. Sabbath means stop. Six days, the commandment says you work. The seventh day, you stop. Now imagine what a gift this was for God's people as they heard this from the Mount Sinai as God proclaimed these commandments. They had come out of, oh, hundreds of years of slavery under the strong arm of the Egyptians where they never stopped where they never rested, where they worked seven days a week, year after year, century after century. What a gift it was to hear, work six days, but then stop, don't work. Remember and observe, and noted the difference between the ways these commandments start in Genesis, in Exodus 15, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And in Deuteronomy 5, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Both of those, there's slightly different ways to look at it, but both of them are are very important here because you need to remember, don't forget, and then you need to do it. 
I need to remember to do something, take a shower this morning, and then I need to do it. We need to remember the Sabbath day, and then we need to observe it. Those two kind of come together here. It's very God-centered, too. I just want you to notice the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. There's a God-centeredness, about. there's a God-focusedness about all of this. And it's one day out of seven. That's the rhythm. No exceptions. In other words, um, not only do you not do any work, but your sons, your daughters, your manservants, your maidservants, your ox, your donkey, any of your animals, the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Now that, again, this gets messy. It gets kind of difficult to kind of understand how this applies. We got some dairy people uh, that uh, if they just bring a stop to their dairy for a day, I suspect, Sid, there'd be mastitis there. You'd have issues with the milking and all of that before you know it. So I'm sure your dairy is going full-blown today in May, probably similar to what is happening on the other six days. So it becomes kind of messy. So how does this work? Well, again, there's this reference to this is to be a time of no exceptions at some level. In the days of, the, of Israel, Deuteronomy, in the, in the land that they were coming into, and it's rooted in the creation rhythm. You know, the creation rhythm, I can understand 24-hour days, okay? The earth rotates 24 hours. I can understand even months because you got the new moon and, and all of that. And I can understand the year because the earth revolves around the sun, 365 and one quarter days. But what about the week? Who ever thought of seven-day week? Well, God did. And you go back to Genesis and you just read how God worked at creation. And what you find out is that six days He worked at creating. And then it came to the seventh day and He stopped and He reveled in it and He looked it over and He said, this is very good. That's also the reference that we find at the end of the commandment in chapter 20 of Exodus. There's that creation rhythm that God has kind of installed into this. So now let's look at the second thing, journey toward remembering whose we are. So this stop day is a way of helping us remember whose we are. Think about the commandments. Think about just the rhythm of the commandments now. The first one you have is, uh, don't have any other gods before me. I am the Lord your God. No other gods here competing. No other gods to put alongside. Second commandment talks more about worship. Uh, don't have graven images. Don't make images of me. Don't make idols and bow down to worship them. Ha, um, uh, don't, don't fashion things that you think look like me or that are there on my behalf that you can see and bow down. Third one has to do with don't take my name in vain. Be careful with my name, because my name is so related to who I am. Don't use it lightly. Don't use it as a curse word. Don't use it as a swear word. Just take care of my name. And now, the fourth one, he says, 
and I'm going to claim some of your time. I'm going to ask for a day, six days to labor, to work, one day to rest. What's interesting is to notice is that this is the longest one. If you start counting words or start counting lines, you find this is the longest one. Uh, it doesn't always relate to the, well, it must be the most important one, but it's interesting to notice about this one that it's a positive one. It's the first one that's a positive one, and that it has been referenced before. This is the only commandment that's been referenced with God's people before. You go back to Exodus chapter 16, and you find out God's going to make provision for His people as they wander through this wilderness where there is no food at the ready. He's going to provide manna. Every day there's going to be manna on the ground that you can gather, pick up, and eat. Don't pick up any more than you need for just that day. Trust me. I will provide. And you read in Exodus 16, there were people that said, no, I don't quite trust God. I'm going to pick up some extra for tomorrow. And they went to the refrigerator. No, no refrigerator. They went to where it was stored, and it was rotten and inedible. And then God says, and when you get to the end of the week, make sure you take double the amount that you need. And there were people that were saying, no, it's going to be rotten the next day. God says, no. Six days, one day. And those that did that found that that manna that they had collected for the Sabbath day was good for the eating. Already in Exodus 16, there was that rhythm of six and one. And, it, and, and what you see also in terms of this commandment is that this is God's demonstration. I did this. I expect you to do this. I was able to do it. Please do that as well. In the Old Testament, it was taken very seriously. Death. If you picked up some sticks and walked around with it on the Sabbath day, death. If you took God's name in vain, by the way, death. If you killed someone, death. If you committed adultery, death. This commandment was taken as seriously as all of the other commandments in the Old Testament, you'll notice. And there's the other thing, and Ray Vanderlaan, a, a, a minister who's done a lot of traveling in Israel, he's provided a lot of studying materials that I've benefited from. Ray Vanderlaan makes the case that the 70 years of captivity that God condemned the people of Israel to were directly related to the 70 years of neglecting the Sabbath day. God said, okay, you're not taking the rest that I provide. I'm going to punish you with 70 years of captivity. What this really has to do with, bottom line, is being willing to say, God, I trust you enough to rest. God, I don't have to, I don't have to work every day of the week. God, I can even take a break from working hard on certain days of the week and playing hard other days of the week and doing whatever I do the rest of the time and carving out some time for you to just be reminded of whose I am. And just in the same kind of way that the people of Israel were expected to trust God enough 
every day as they picked up that manna and then the double portion and know that God was going to provide even through that seventh day. That's the kind of attitude that we're to have. God, I trust you enough to just step back and know that you provide. To be reminded, God, that what it comes down to is that you are the source of all of my blessings. That's at the heart of what it's about in the first place. But this is also a journey toward remembering who we are. Now, there's going to be a little piece missing if you're following the notes that are printed here, but there's a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15. And if I, I have to look at this here, redeemed from slavery in Egypt. That's what uh, was meant to be on your um, notes here. But that's what Deuteronomy 5, verse 15 refers to. Why do you do this? Why do you observe the Sabbath day? Well, not only because God worked six and then rested one, but also because when you were slaves in Egypt, I, God, brought you out. I delivered you with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. There's a movement toward God as deliverer. God is our Redeemer. Movement even because of that toward the first day of the week. And that's, this is another one of those messy little things because we live right next door to uh, the Seventh-day Adventist community. It's, it's a, a, a huge, strong community that by its very name just tells how the value there is that the Sabbath is still the seventh day. It's still Saturday. And they would take issue with me when I say, well, the church has moved it to the first day of the week. And they would ask me, well, why? What's that about? Not Saturday, but Sunday is when we gather for worship. What's that about? Well, because, because it points to God as the deliverer. Already in the Old Testament, it's interesting to notice this. And, and this is in Leviticus. This is one of those... Uh, books of the Bible where God's giving instruction after instruction in terms of the shape of the people's lives and the rhythm of their celebrations. And there's a reference in Leviticus 23, and it's not in your notes here, so uh, let me just read this or reference it. There's a reference to the Passover, and this is how you're supposed to celebrate the Passover. And in verse 7 it says, on the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. You go a little further in uh, Leviticus uh, 23, it's verse 15, and it talks about the Feast of Weeks, and it's referring to Pentecost now. From the day of the, after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, count off seven full weeks, count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present the offering of new grain to the Lord. Already in the Old Testament, those, those feasts that were pointing to something much bigger in the New Testament already pointed to this first day business. And so then you get to Jesus Christ and you get to Him as, as the Redeemer who dies on the cross and who then is raised from the grave on the first day of the week. And then 50 days later, there you have Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit again on the first day of the week. And you get these little indications in the New Testament they were 
commanded to receive the offerings and bring them on the first day of the week. There were references to them gathering on the first day of the week. And one of the things that the Christian church has historically found itself doing is saying, we're doing this celebration that's referred to as the Sabbath day in the Old Testament. We're doing it in terms of, in the light of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Jesus. It just points to Jesus in lots of ways. So how do you live that out? As I said, it's messy. Some people don't have Sundays. I, I've, uh, I've often said, well, my day of rest is not going to be Sunday because uh, it's a day where I'm very occupied. Maybe the praise team, maybe Beth could say the same thing. Sundays are busy days in which to just think about ministry and doing things. And there are others for whom Sunday is not going to work very well. But just think through a little bit what you should do in terms of this stop day or stop time. And one of the things that I want to say is avoid the legalisms that have accumulated over the years. When Jesus lived there were these times when he made a point of healing on the Sabbath day, and he ran into so much difficulty with the Pharisees when his disciples picked some grain on the Sabbath day and ate it. The Pharisees said, well, there's six days to do that. Why are you doing on the Sabbath day? And what Jesus was pointing to is that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. It was, this is God pointing to a kind of wholeness, a, a kind of shalom. So avoid the legalisms so that you don't, aren't always thinking about, okay, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? I grew up with those. Let me just give you a little bit of a story or two about those. As a farm boy in Iowa, in the context of the Christian Reformed Church, Mother would oftentimes make the meal on Saturday. She'd actually put it into bed, cover it with the bed blankets to keep the rice warm, and we'd get it served on Sunday. But she did this ah, because I shouldn't be working on Sunday any more than... A, there were the farm chores to do, there were the cows to milk, there were the hogs to slop. We did all of that on Sunday, but we never went out into the fields. Uh, even if the hay were down and rain were threatening... And we could save the hay crop on Sunday if we went out and got it. We didn't do it. We uh, went to church twice every Sunday, morning service, evening service, and that was so deeply ingrained in me, I had a hard time giving it up even into my 30s. I don't think I missed a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. But Sunday afternoons, while mom and dad were taking their Sunday afternoon nap, was a great time for my brothers and sisters and me, because we could play some games. Mom and Dad said, you should, you should consider yourself lucky because, because your friends in town can't do what we're allowing you to do. Because we're letting you ride your bikes if you want to. We're going to let you play ball if you want to. 
but your friends in, the, in, in town probably aren't allowed to because they'd be a stumbling block to people that their neighbors that they would see. And we're on the farm, and they can't see what you're doing, so it's okay. <laughs> kind of like that. Those kinds of legalisms. And what happens is you lose sight, as the Pharisees did, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, you lose sight of what this day is really about, what this is meant to do, what it's meant to point to. A good thing for us at this point is to just kind of listen to the catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism, one of the confessions of the Christian Reformed Church. And by the way, my wife Ruth remembers that on Sundays, before she could go out in the wintertime and play ice hockey on the frozen farm pond with her seven brothers and one sister, they had a hockey team built in, you know, she had to know her catechism. She had to memorize the answers to the questions. And then she was free to, uh, to go play outside for a while. But this is God's will for the fourth commandment. First, that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, I regularly attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's Word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to give Christian alm offerings for the poor. And now there's a second part. Notice the second part, that every day of my life I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through His Spirit, and so begin already in this life the eternal Sabbath. We're preaching a little bit more about that last line um, this evening. But, but there's a sense of what happens, and it's so important that we do this kind of thing, that we hear what God has to say, that we have the opportunity to participate in the sacraments, that we pray to God, because it reminds us of whose we are and who we are. We're God's children, and that's why there's a reveling um, that we ought to be experiencing in God's rest. You don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to make sure you mind your P's and Q's because God has forgiven us and we can rest in His grace and forgiveness not only on Sunday but let that also spill out on every day of the week and sort of catch a glimpse already of what God's future looks like, His shalom, His peace, His rest. Which brings us to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Interesting. Terry found that. All in favor say moo. All right. Chick-fil-A was founded by a very religious Christian man, um, Truett Cathy. He was Southern Baptist to the core in Georgia, and he started this, this fast food business. If you wanted to go get your great chicken sandwich today, though, you'd be out of luck because they're closed. From day one, they decided they would be closed on Sundays. Why? Here's what he says. I was not so committed to financial success 
that I was willing to abandon my principles and priorities. Do you hear what he's saying? There's something bigger here than making sure you get successful financially and that that might mean working seven days a week unrelentingly to make sure that it happens. Something bigger here, he says. One of the most visible examples of this is our decision to close on Sunday. Our decision to close on Sunday was our way of honoring God and of directing our attention to things that mattered more than our business. And that's what the Scriptures are getting at here. So whether you're working hard or playing hard or doing all kinds of things that kind of come into your daily life, don't forget. Carve out a stop time and do it to the Lord. And just remember again whose you are and whom you serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for reminding us of this. Thank you for the opportunities to, uh, to gather on the festive day of rest. And Lord, for those uh, who couldn't do this today, may they also be determined to uh, find a stop time to just focus on you, to catch a glimpse of who you are and what you have done for us, to be able to just move again into the rest, the forgiveness, the grace that you provide for us. Lord, thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. And so we want to rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name.